sorry. Oh, crazy shit's going on. Are you going to be okay? I don't know, honestly. Is that why you're drinking your wine? Oh, yeah. I've been drinking since yesterday. I guess we should intro. Hey, murder lovers. My name is Mackenzie. And this is Fatina. And you're listening to Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast. Welcome back. Inhale and exhale. (laughs) But only if you have a mask on. (laughs) But even then. You guys, we're in Oregon. Uh, We're both in the metropolitan area. And And in case you haven't heard. Right. It's global news. I'm pretty sure of it because. I don't know about global. Portland has the worst air quality in the world right now. Yeah. Literally the city has the worst air quality. Okay. Well, I know we have people from Australia and other places in the world that listen to us. So you tell us. Sorry, Fatina's getting a little <laughs> a little fresh with her wine over there. You tell us if you've heard about the Oregon fires. Somebody tell me. Yeah. But I know somebody will. Abby, you're in Australia, one of our listeners. Abby, you tell me. Have you heard of it? If not, we're telling you right now. It's yeah. shitty. <laughs> we're in the middle. So the entire state's burning. Really? The entire Pacific Northwest is burning at this point, but particularly Oregon. And I posted the other day that we were good. We were safe. And then probably 30 minutes after that post, you guys got moved to a level one. Right. So level one, they're doing three. They're doing it like super dumb proof, which is great. But it's red, green and yellow areas and evacuation zones. And we got put on a level one, which was get your shit ready. Mm -hmm. You know, pack your important documents and like an overnight bag if you have to. Just, you know, just be prepared. So we had to go not into panic mode but into super cautious mode mode, prep mode so we packed you saw you walked in today we have suitcases in the living room with with our clothes and we got our um our pew pews ready just in case (laughs) (laughs) because what was happening is that or is still happening Mm -hmm. is that unfortunately there's people that take advantage of people in bad circumstances so a lot it was happening a lot in Southern Oregon where people were leaving. They were in level three evacuations, like go now, fires literally in your backyard. And people were being opportunistic and going and looting their houses. Yeah, I had read that. So, I'm sorry guys, I'm over here chugging because wine's my <laughs> drink of choice the last couple of days. <laughs> we had a trip planned to Yellowstone Park, a national park here in the U.S., we were all going to go as a family. We were super excited. It's my father-in-law's 60th. It was our 5th year anniversary and just birthdays. Like I said, September's heavy for us. And we had to cancel that too because it just so happens that there was a two fires. One in the city we were going to fly into and uh, the second one in Yellowstone Park. So yeah. we decided it was better to just stay home and not risk it. Or at least risk the just going and sitting in a hotel for a week. Well, and I'm sure there's some uncertainty, too. And, like, if you guys packed up and went Mm -hmm. on vacation and then something happened to your home while you're gone, like, that's not what you want. Nope. Yeah. They're saying if you go outside for 30 minutes, it's like smoking a pack of 15 cigarettes. Oh, my Lanta. I didn't (laughs) even know that. That's literally our life right now. We had to re- put together our podcast room because one of the first things I thought was I need to pack up all the equipment. Can you imagine if we lost all this? No, this is expensive shit. So 
I, I came into the podcast room, I packed all the stuff and, you know, we have extension arms, we have filters, we have the laptop, we have cords everywhere. So I had to put everything back together. We're now back to level zero, our area. So we're back. We've got air purifiers running. So if you hear buzzing in the background, it's just because we have some airflow. And that's where we're at here in Oregon. It's fun. Fun stuff. 2020, we're loving it. Holy moly. We love this. But I'm excited to hear something to get me out of the the world ending We'll talk, I mean, mindset. We'll talk a little bit more like true crimes updates and everything like that in the next episode, which will be Fatina's BT dub. I've gotten a lot of comments on the story that you did about the girls. Oh, yeah. The one that I I self-titled it The Mean Girls yeah. Murders because um, I just felt like that was really fitting and a missed opportunity on whoever did the reporting for right. that. I was like. The witch's castle murder, the lesbian... No, none of this fits. It's obviously the Mean Girl murder. So I've gotten a lot of feedback on the episode, and people are, like, really terrified by how evil teenagers can be. awful. It was an awful, awful story. And even... uh, I haven't posted, but it'll probably be posted by now, the extras for the episode. Brace yourself. There's autopsy pictures. Yeah. So Of a burned body. So Right. Also, um, apology to those of you guys who were listening on Apple Podcasts. Um, there were some issues with the ads and stuff that were running. They have been removed from the midway through of the episode. So you guys shouldn't have this issue moving forward. But I guess it was affecting other episodes, too. And I had no idea. Yeah. Because um, when I listen to them and I vet them, it's not giving me that issue. But other people were encountering it. So we fixed that. So Loki, though. We're excited to have advertisements on yeah. our episodes, and this is a, just a, a speed bump we hadn't yet encountered, so we learned it and we fixed it, so hopefully it's smooth sailing from here on out, but yay for having ads. Yeah, and if you guys are encountering things like that, please let me know so we can get it fixed for you. I would appreciate it. Yeah, I think all it took it was like one or two people to tell you, and you were right on it, Yeah, so it was that my, was great. My friend Steph reached out to me, and I was like, all right. I need to know if this is more of an issue. And then some of you guys sent me feedback right away that you were encountering the same issues. So um, always let us know if stuff like that's happening so we can get it corrected for you because we don't want you guys to miss any parts of the story. Yeah, apparently it was jumping full like Yeah, they were missing whole whole chunks of it. So let me know. I'll fix it for you. But today's episode, because I thought we could use something a little bit lighter. It's not super true crimey. I'll be honest with you. It's not super true crime. It's the story of Harry R. Truman and the Mount St. Helens explosion of 1980. Oh, I think we touched on this a little bit. On I mentioned episode. him at one point right. that I was going to cover him. Yeah. And I've done it today. Cool. Today's the day. So yeah. my sister-in-law and my brother were actually telling me about this, that he was just like some crazy old man that went down with the St. Helens eruption. And all the things that he did kind of leading up to it. So he's just kind of an interesting character. And I thought it would be kind of fun to cover his life because he's just he's just all over the place. Okay. So we're going to talk about a crazy old man and the St. Helens eruption today. Right on. So Harry R. Truman was born sometime around October of 1896, we think. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, he was born in West Virginia, but he didn't know exactly what his date of birth was. So he just got accustomed to telling people it was October 30th of 1896, but he doesn't actually know for sure what Weird. day his birthday is. 
He also doesn't know his middle name. He just knows that his middle initial is R. And some sources have said that it's actually Randall, but he could never confirm this. So he went by Harry R. Truman, (laughs) but he doesn't know what the R stands for. Okay. Now, I don't know what it was like living in West Virginia in the 1800s, but I'm going to guess that this is kind of like back hills. Yeah. You know. That's a good assumption, I yeah. think. Birth certificates maybe weren't a huge thing at that point. Right. <laughs> so his family relocated to Washington. I'm not exactly sure of the exact year because, again, we don't even know birthdays at this point. But <laughs> his family relocated to Washington and they were excited about the promise of like cheap land that they could use for timber. The Pacific Northwest at the time and still to this day has a very mm-hmm. successful timber industry. So they were hoping to kind of infiltrate this and be able to buy land for cheap. And they did. They settled on 160 acres of farmland in Lewis County, Washington. Wow, that's a lot. Can you imagine? That's a lot. And we did a river tour and they talked about how how cheap land was at this point where they were basically like giving it away. You could literally come and just get a deed for land and you didn't even have to pay for it. Wow. So at this point, like they were just handing, you just had to go into claim it in Oregon. You were going into Oregon city. So I don't know exactly how that worked for Washington, but you would literally go into Oregon city and be like, I want this land. They'd check and see if it was available. They'd be like, here you go. Wow. And they would just give it to you. God, those were the days. I know. Can you imagine? The dream is to have a family compound. Yeah. I know I said family compound, but we're families. (laughs) In case you guys didn't know, I was in their wedding. Okay? So. Five years ago. Five years ago, almost to the date. (laughs) They, um, so Harry Truman, who is not to be mistaken for the president or in relation to the president. Okay. He went to high school in Mossy Rock, Washington, and then joined the army in 1917. He trained as an aero mechanic and he was stationed in France during World War One. But they reported that he often managed to injure himself. Um, this was due to what they quoted as his audacious and independent nature. So he was just Hmm. He's a little wild boy. Sounds like he didn't follow OSHA guidelines, but okay. (laughs) No. So he often, like, would hurt himself, and everything was written up as, like, all of his injuries were self-sustained. That's just him kind of thing. Yeah. Um, But during his tour, his troop ship, which was called the Tuscania, Tuscania? Tuscania, was sunk by a German U-boat in a torpedo attack off the coast of Ireland. Now, a U-boat is what they call an undersea boat. The U stands for undersea. It's huh. basically a submarine. Submarine. Okay. Yep. He was honorably discharged in 1919, and he set out to become rich. That was, like, his goal. Sure. Like, I'm going to become rich. But All of us. But he didn't have really a plan as to how he was going to do that. Okay. It wasn't through podcast ads. <laughs> um, eventually, he became... <laughs> Eventually, he became a bootlegger, and he smuggled alcohol from San Francisco to Washington during Prohibition. Hmm. So he did the whole alcohol smuggling thing for a while, um, but obviously he wasn't growing rich off of it. So he later returned to Chehalis, Washington, and he ran an automotive service and gas station called Harry's Sudden Service. Okay. Off the tongue. <laughs> yeah. He married the daughter of a local sawmill owner, and they had a daughter together. She doesn't really, like, interestingly enough, she doesn't really come into play anywhere. Like, I know that they had a daughter together, but that's the last I really read anything Mm. about her, which was a little odd. Um, He very quickly grew tired of civilization, which I wrote down, a.k.a. people. (laughs) 
because we all do. And a few years later, after opening his shop and getting married, he leased out 50 acres of land from the Northern Pacific Railroad Company, which I didn't even know you could lease. Lease land and work yeah, it? I don't know hmm. that. That's a little fun fact. This particular piece of land was um, located near Spirit Lake. It overlooked the lake, and it was at the base of Mount St. Helens. Now, Mount St. Helens is considered... For all of our science people, it's a stratovolcano, which means lava from these typically cools and hardens before it spreads too far because of its steep profile. So those uh, of you who are familiar with Mount St. Helens, it's, it's a little bit lower and a little bit steeper than, yeah. say, like Mount Hood or something like that. By the time anything would reach anywhere, it would be such a slow moving pattern that like it would harden before it actually reached anything to hurt sure. anything. This one's located particularly in Skamania County, Washington. We can see it from many points within our city. You can see yep. it. I can see it. So yep. we can look out. It's pretty big. Yeah. I mean, we're in one of those interesting places where we can actually see quite a few mountains. Right. So on any given day, we can see Mount, see Mount St. Helens. Not today. I can't see my neighbor's house. Can't see much at all. <laughs> it's considered an active volcano. And he settled at the foot of this mountain. He was like, this sounds like a really great idea. Let me just sit right <laughs> at the base of it. And there he opened a gas station and a grocery store before he eventually opened Mount St. Helens Lodge, which he operated for 52 years. Wow. So in the 1930s, he divorced his wife and he remarried in 1935. They were not married long <laughs> as he would, they would often get in arguments and his way of ending and winning these fights was by throwing her into Spirit Lake. Excuse me? She couldn't swim. So oh. <laughs> she really was not super excited about that. That's not funny, but it's funny. Can you imagine some idiot like that being like, yeah, let me just toss you in the water. She must have been a little woman or he must have been a big man to just... He doesn't... He's not an overly her. big guy, so... Would he just hurl her over his shoulder and... Probably. Pop. I don't know. <laughs> so weird. People are weird. So weird. He's like, you know what? I've had enough of this. In the lake. In with the you. lake. <laughs> so she was like, you know what? I'm tired of you almost drowning me, and we need to like call it good. Good for her. So after they split, he began began dating a local girl, and then he married her sister Edna instead. Oh shit. Um, Edna was in a bad marriage, and her sister, who was dating Harry at the time, was like, he owns a lodge. Go to the lodge. Clear your head. Decide what you want to do. She gets up there. The two of them start an affair and she ends up divorcing her husband and moving into the lodge. And shortly after that, they end up getting married. They operated the lodge together until she died of a heart attack in 1978. And that's when he closed the lodge. So he was reportedly heartbroken when she died. She'd never had any type of heart problems and they had been married for 37 years at this point. So he couldn't imagine operating the lodge without her anymore. So he closed it, but lived there himself. Ah, okay. And he was also, like, he was just kind of the source of stories for locals at this point. I think after his wife died, it was just, you know. A hard time. It was a free-for-all. Right. So he once got a forest ranger super drunk, so that way he could set fire to a pile of brush without the ranger actually doing things anything about what? it yeah i think he like had a burn pile that he needed to get rid of and they were got in a no burn pattern so, yeah and so he got the forest ranger drunk so he could <laughs> do what he needed to do he often illegally poached he stole gravel from the u.s forest service 
He fished on Native American land, and he got away with it by using a fake game warden badge. Everyone knew he was doing things like this, including the local rangers, but they were never able to actually catch him in the act. So nobody was, he was never able to be arrested or brought up on charges. Wow. Yeah, he just kind of like ran around the town creating chaos. Yeah. Just that old crazy guy. Yeah, they were like, that damn Harry, got it again. (laughs) So (laughs) he also, um, when Washington changed their sales tax rate, and I think they actually lowered it. Harry continued to charge at the old sales tax rate uh, on anything that he sold or rented, so that way he could keep part the of the extra money. tax, yeah. Yeah. And um, when a tax agent employee came and rented a boat from him and refused to pay his higher tax rate, Truman pushed the guy into the lake. <laughs> <laughs> he just really likes dumping people in this lake. He's just he's just a crazy old man. That's why I thought... I'm just picturing it all. I know. Can you imagine them getting in like a spat and being like... You don't want to pay my taxes in the lake you go. (laughs) With my ex-wife. Right. His drink of choice was whiskey and Coke. He swore a lot and drove a 1957 pink Cadillac. Ooh. I have a feeling it was his wife's. That's still fancy, though. But can you imagine, like, a guy like that being like, here's my pink car. (laughs) Yeah. I want it working for Mary Kay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. I'm being obnoxious, but I've also been drinking, so... Wait till she tells her story later. (laughs) He reportedly loved to talk politics. He hated hippies, hated children, hated the elderly, and hated Republicans. Oh, he's just a curmudgeon old guy. God, sorry, I just hit the mic. Yeah, he... He's just like, like, You kids, get off my lawn. Yeah. Like, he's that type. He's get off my lawn type of people. He actually once refused to let a Supreme Court justice stay at his lodge and sent him away and called him an old coot, but then found out that he was a Democratic Supreme Court justice, and he chased him a mile down the road and convinced him to come back and stay at the lodge. The fuck? Because he liked politics and he likes Democrats, so he was like, you, come back here. Yeah. Let's stay up and tell stories together. And the guy's like, good God, I have to talk politics all day long. I come here not to talk politics. So after he closed the lodge when his wife died, he only rented out a handful of boats and a few cabins during the summer. In 1980, though, Mount St. Helens began to rumble. So for those who don't know, volcanoes often show signs of exploding months before they actually blow. Hmm. There's like... um, precursor earthquakes and sure things that happen you'll see like ash spewing things like that and it can actually take quite a bit of time for the volcano to actually explode build up but it's like the signs are there okay so for two months mount st helens was showing activity and truman gave several interviews during this time saying he was unbothered and unconcerned by it he was quoted by saying or he was quoted as saying, I don't have any idea whether it will blow, but I don't believe it to the point that I'm going to pack up. If the mountain goes, I'm going with it. Oh, okay. He thought that because Spirit Lake was between him and the mountain, and the mountain was a mile away, that the mountain wasn't going to hurt him. Oh. I'm like, a mile's not very far, well, if sir. If you don't know... And that lake in between you guys isn't going to stop you. Shit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Law enforcement officials were particularly irritated with his refusal to evacuate because media kept entering the restricted areas to interview him. They were like, he would get like rip roaring drunk and sit down and interview with these 
like reporters for hours. Yeah. And he'd talk about if he'd had enough to drink, he would talk about being scared. He would talk about his wife. He would talk about how like this was their home together and he was they gonna loved leave it. it. And yeah, they were just like super entertained by this crazy right. old guy. So like they, they kept coming back and law enforcement was like Dude, shut the fuck up. We are closed. You <laughs> yeah. cannot come back here. And the media was like, "No, it's fine. It's fine. It'll it's ten ten minutes. You ten might. minutes." And they're like, "God damn it, Catherine, get back behind the freaking." <laughs> but they kept going back there. He had said at one point that you couldn't pull me out with a mule team. The mountains part of Truman, and Truman's part of the mountain. <laughs> During his interviews, he said that he got tossed out of bed during precursor earthquakes, but he resolved this by moving his mattress to the basement and just sleeping on the floor down there. Supposedly, he wore spurs to bed to counterbalance during the earthquake, like he'd dig his spurs into the ground (laughs) to brace himself. (laughs) And still, he was like, it's fine. Everything's fine. No big deal. He obviously received widespread attention. Students wrote him letters. Fans wrote him letters. Um, in response, he would send them letters back and he would also send volcanic ash. <laughs> At one point, some students in Salem wrote him some letters and National Geographic paid for him to take a helicopter out to visit the students and then dropped him back up off the mount- on the mountain. They were like, all right, good luck. What? So he got off the mountain to go talk to these kids that were writing him letters or whatever. Sure. And then just came back. Wow. I'm like, sir. It's like a super pen pal. When you imagine law enforcement that's Geo. like... National Geographic, they're just flying him in and out. And they're like, we're trying to keep him off the mountain, you morons. Yeah, and don't put like, him back in. No, it's okay. Yeah, so they just like dropped Jeez. him back off. Um, He also got several marriage proposals. Which wow. I was like, These girls. I bet he loved this. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I he bet he loved, loved it. it. I think that was part of it, too. I think maybe part of the reason that he was so stubborn in all of this was like to keep up the facade and like... Sure. You know, that's that's what people celebrated him for. And so he couldn't right. let them down by coming off the mountain. Of course. So on May 17th of 1980, officials gave him one last attempt to evacuate the area. And he was like, nope, I'm good. I'm staying here. This is mine and my wife's home. I'm just going down with the ship, basically. Wow. And the next morning on May 18th, the volcano erupted. So... What makes this eruption very different here, what was anticipated versus what happened are two very different things. What was anticipated is because of the type of mountain it was that any eruption would, again, be slow-moving lava. It would stop by the time it got anywhere. It wouldn't be that big of a deal. But what happened is the entire north side of the mountain collapsed. So it actually, it Mm -hmm. was considered the largest landslide in record history. So it entirely collapsed, which meant all of this lava basically free flowed out of it. There was nothing to really stop it down, stop it from going because the trajectory had been completely leveled. So he was in his lodge with his 16 cats when the eruption occurred. His cats were like his family. And they said that he likely died from heat shock in less than a second, too fast for his body to register any pain. And his body was vaporized because the heat was so intense that it actually just turned his body into ash. Whoa. Which I didn't even know, like, a body could be vaporized. That's crazy. Yeah, they said it took less than a minute from the time that the 
mountain erupted t- for everything to reach his lodge. From the oh. eruption to the lava and everything reaching his lodge was less than a minute. It was supposedly so hot that the fish would actually jump out of the streams because the water got so hot. So they were jumping out boiling. onto the, Yeah. Yeah. They were trying to... Wow. So the lake and the lodge actually were buried under 150 feet of volcanic landslide debris. How much? 150 feet. Wow. So they said the fast moving current of the gas and the lava resulted in the lake being completely destroyed. There are theories that he had he had told people that he had an abandoned mine shaft that he was turning into a shelter and oh. he was planning on sheltering out there. But because of how fast everything happened in less than a minute, they don't believe that he actually had time to move into the shelter. To get in there. And even if he had, the landslide covering it would have actually suffocated him in the mine shaft. Wow. So there would be no way for him to actually escape or get out. And even if his body hadn't been vaporized, he essentially would have been, I mean, he would have been burned. Right. One way or another. Yeah. Yeah. So when Truman died, he was 83 years old. Um, him and his cats were never recovered. And there, like I said, there was no warning when the volcano erupted. And there wouldn't have been any time for him to take shelter. So his family ultimately accepted the fact that this was really it. Like, yeah, his sister really struggled with it, saying that she found no closure in the situation. She had a hard time accepting the reality of his death. Because the body wasn't recovered and really like we're relying on the science of it as far as like his body being vaporized and everything like that, that that's what actually occurred. It's hard with no remains to have that closure. She was quoted as saying, I don't think he made it, but I thought if they would let me fly over and see for myself that Harry's lodge was gone, then maybe I'd believe it for sure. Of course. And his niece said that she thought her uncle could escape the volcano but was not expecting the lateral eruption to occur the way it had. Right. Nobody was. Right. Like, they were expecting that it was going to be just kind of like, like I said, the type of eruption that is common with these types of volcanoes, and it wasn't. Right. And I think that's what he anticipated, too. She had said that her sister had taken him a bottle of bourbon whiskey to try and persuade him to evacuate, but he, (laughs) at the time, was too afraid to drink the alcohol Because he was unsure whether the shaking was coming from his body or from the earthquakes. Oh. Any possessions that he had given to his family or that he had given to people were auctioned off. And they essentially, like, all of his fans and admirers and everything like that bought them. So there's there's keepsakes of him that people have bought as he's kind of like... Stand your ground kind of guy. Almost like a folklore hero, even though he's... He's a very real person. Um, the students who received his volcanic ash actually sold the ash and used the money to send his family flowers when he died. Stop. Which I thought was really sweet. That is adorable. And the Truman Trail and Harry's Ridge in the Mount St. Helens region were named after him to wow. honor him and his legacy. And his 16 cats. And his 16 cats. <laughs> Um, so that is the story of Harry Truman. Like I said, it's not a true crime story, but I thought it was like a funny little, I don't know. It's just something a little bit different because things just seem a little heavy lately and I didn't want to do murder. Heavy. heavy. Yeah. Yeah. But my next story, which will not be recorded today. So you'll have my story, Fatina's story, and then obviously mine. That one's going to be Richard Speck. 
which is another one of our Mine Hunter gangs. Yeah. So stick around for that one nice. coming up. So I will be back to regular program with our next session, but I thought today we would just mix it up and tell kind of a lighthearted, interesting story about That's the guy that stayed on Mount St. Helens for the eruption. So I like him. Yeah, I was like, let's do a crazy old man today. So <laughs> that's what we did. That's true. Thank you. That You're was welcome. Solid. Took me out of my headspace of, are we going to burn? Because I'm not like Harry. I was ready to fucking bolt. Well, that's where I'm kind of like, <laughs> maybe we just need a break from the heaviness. So yeah, I thought with the world on fire, let's talk about another thing that caused a lot of smoke and ash to cover our city and yeah stay no, on we, theme we have ash here now too it's my car's covered cars. in it i know yeah, it's disgusting i know but all right so in today's installment of wtf what the, the florida, florida. <laughs> i bring you butter battery, butter battery. <laughs> all right so this is the headline says butter battery florida woman arrested for throwing butter so a woman in Florida got in an argument with her sister. During this argument, she threw a tub of butter at her sister. She got arrested with a misdemeanor of domestic battery. Oh, my god! I would say domestic buttery. Can you imagine getting arrested for throwing butter at somebody? Um, she did. <laughs> my brother called the cops on me because I threw butter at him. I'd be pissed. <laughs> Uh, I'd be like, it was softened. Calm down. Because <laughs> I can't believe it's not butter. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. On that note, uh, we hope you guys are all staying safe and um, taking precautions. If you're in the Northwest, if you're not in the Northwest, just keep safe. I, we don't know what else to say at this point. We're at a loss. Uh, beware of stranger danger. Uh, be on the lookout for the extras on episode 46 for the Mean Girls murder. Uh, the the pictures will be up on Facebook, which is Stranger Danger colon a True Crime Podcast. And specifically, the pictures will be on the group Stranger Danger colon Murder Lovers. You can also follow us over on Instagram at a stranger danger podcast, and you can email us a stranger danger podcast at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at SD true crime pod. Thanks guys. Bye. Bye.